What's up, Whisper Nation? We are going through the first half of Sunday games in the week one matchup in the NFL. Make sure you stay tuned for part two coming up after this one, where we're going to be going over all of the fantasy relevant matchups, giving you all the insights to help you make your best decision for the upcoming lineup. Let's get to it. Right here. That's right. Like Austin said, we will be talking the first half of the NFL slate of matchups and all the fantasy football implications of Sunday's games. But if you like that fresh fantasy football content and you want more of it, consider subscribing to the YouTube channel and our other videos uh, like this one. You can give uh, or like the clips of this one. You'll you'll be given a like on your way in. That being said, welcome in. My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I'm joined by Johnny Game Time Hicks, who you can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. What is going on, Johnny? Week one, boys. Week one is here. We are breaking down actual matchups. We're not breaking down, oh, this is, uh, you know, his season-long view. Oh, we're we're talking about how this guy could be uh, a sleeper. No. We are talking about actual matchups and whether or not you should play these players. How exciting is that? How exciting is that? The stratosphere of excitement that you reach is always admirable. Austin, I now get view the terrible job of trying to follow up Johnny's excitement right here. But you can find Austin Sear on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. What is good, Austin? Oh, oh he's muted. muted. He's muted. That's how excited he is. He <laughs> yeah, wanted I'm to so scream. excited by this man. I just was turning <laughs> down my volume because I was just like squealing. And like burping, and I was just so excited. I got the excitement burps. You know what I mean? Yeah, you guys get the excitement burps. Yeah, yeah the excitement gas. I'm excited it, for. I'm excited for to see all of the the big freaking flops. Like I'm excited mm. to see all the whiffs on takes. Like guys that you're like you feel oh. so bad about not drafting this guy, or you like I I got this guy in my league. I finally did it, and then it's like two games in, and you're like, whoa, we were so off on this narrative, or whatever it might be. That's honest. I'm just, I'm excited to see reality reset. What, what is the actual, like, what is the victory lap? You know, we always say like, Oh, t- like victory laps, week one victory laps. Like what is the, what in your guys' opinion, what is the uh, a proper amount of time in which you could be like, yeah, I actually definitely hit it on this player or we still have to wait and see. Is it week one, week two? My, for me, week most 16. of my decisions are week four, week three or four. We want to see about a month of the season to figure out what's going on, see what's uh, happening with these offenses. I don't know if Austin agrees with that. I think you flashed up the number five there. That's my number for wide receivers, at least, where I don't drop dudes I'm high on to start the year until week five. I've just seen it like every single year where some guy, I'm like, this guy's going to be great, starts off the first month looking pedestrian, and then that first game of month two comes on board and shows us what I thought was going to come. And it just takes time for cream to rise to the top. But at the wide receiver position, more than anything else, talent does get what it has come into it. Week five. Heck yes. Well, just a reminder that if you're listening here on the show, on the podcast, and you want to continue to support the brand, please head consider heading on over to patreon.com. You can show your support at the 5 and $10 levels. Our benefits include access to our exclusive Discord channels, 
uh, entries to sports card giveaways, increase odds in winning a signed NFL jersey from your favorite fantasy football players, and bonus content that is available only to patrons. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash the fantasy whispers and join the nation today. Okay, so guys, fall is now officially upon us. Obviously, football brings in fall, but I have to ask a, a serious question that the people are just dying to know. They really want to know this. Austin, have you ever had a pumpkin spice latte in your oh, life? Yeah. yeah. So you are you a are you a frequenter of the of the PSL? I'm a, I'm a pumpkin spice <laughs> freak went drinker. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I love it. You know, I love it. I think it's great. Um, I'm not one of the people who's like lining up outside of Starbucks before, you know, the day before. Um, but I like them. Johnny, you a big pumpkin spice latte guy? I'm I am not. It's not that I don't like them, but I'll be honest, I also don't go to Starbucks a whole lot. So I'm like more of like the the smaller coffee shop kind of guy. I like supporting those locals. So, uh, you know, so I cool. and and here so cool, so hip. <laughs> uh, here's the thing, like I I love. I mean, being from Arizona is probably partially why, but like I'm not a big pumpkin guy. You know what I mean? Like, like I like pumpkins. I like carving pumpkins. I like a Halloween pumpkin kind of thing, but I'm not a big guy. Like, Oh, let me get my pumpkin spice latte to get in the season. Let me get, you know, my, my pumpkin pie, uh, to feel that, uh, you know, part of this whole going into fall carving a pumpkin, take it the bottom out, not the top because the bottom then will mean it, it won't collapse. As it and, it, and it's like a funnel, even better for those seeds that you're trying to get out there. Exactly. I like no, that. I never no, even no. heard of that. Austin, yeah, I, with, see, this is why we ask these questions here on the Fantasy Whispers. We're trying to get to the hard-hitting analysis. From pumpkin pie to pie in the sky, which is what we have to talk about when we look at the Houston Texans or the Jaguars' outlook for this year, but maybe not for fantasy football purposes. The Houston Texans are hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a 44-and-a-half point over-under, and we've got Jacksonville favored by three on the road. When we look at those Jags, guys, we're going to talk about Trevor Lawrence, obviously the number one overall uh, pick was a five-star recruit out of high school, three years of elite college production. He's everything you want in a number one overall pick. He was 34 and two in college. He's that ideal height, weight, mobility. But I think I'm more concerned about Daryl Bevel and Urban Meyer than I am with Trevor Lawrence. And nothing really wowed me out of this offense in the preseason. Austin, when I kick it over to you, because I really want to know after looking at preseason, do we have anybody we like as the number one, the go-to for Trevor Lawrence in this passing attack? Well, it's going to be between LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark, or some folks' preseason darling in Marvin Jones. Uh, we're not really putting a lot of weight into James O'Shaughnessy tight end for the Jaguars. Um, given that world beater Tim Tebow uh, didn't make it as far as some might have hoped. <laughs> Your boy. But of those three wide receivers, LaVisca, DJ Chark, and Marvin Jones, we're going we're gonna to clip off that bottom name right there just for now, Marvin Jones, because you're looking at making decisions for week one, right? And this Houston Texans passing defense clocks in at 31. They're the second to worst pass defense in the NFL at this point in the season. So you are in a good spot to start one of these two dudes and LaVisca Chenault or DJ Chark at who you be deciding between. So we take a quick look at these two receivers. Um, LaVisca's coming into his second year. LaVisca had a fine rookie season. He took 79 targets for 600 yards and five touchdowns. I do like what his trajectory suggests, along with the role he's got on the team and the early reports coming out of camp and preseason. Chenault drew better practice reviews than any other Jaguar uh, wide receiver this offseason, um, and now he's been backing it up in those preseason games. The part that I was most intrigued about when we compare LaVisca to DJ Chark 
um, was their red zone targets. Because DJ Chark did have more production, and he has had a longer NFL career so far, Travis. Um, but he did regress in his junior year, which was last season, where he caught 53 balls for 706, 706 yards. Disappointing coming after the 2019 season, where he took 73 receptions for 1,008 yards. Um, eight touchdowns to five touchdowns. So he did dip down in that 2019 to 2020 run, despite the Jacksonville Jaguars scoring more points overall on offense, 306 points that year compared to 300 in 2019. The big determining factor then for me, the last determining factor, if you will, between LaVisca and DJ Chark though, was their red zone targets. Um, 10 red zone targets for LaVisca last year, six catches. Uh, DJ Chark had 13 red zone targets, same amount of catches, six. I mean, if you go back then, though, to the last month of the season, Travi, LaVisca was out-targeted in the red zone 6-4 to four compared to DJ Chark. So when you factor in the development of a sophomore season of LaVisca, also with the role, the reports, and just the overall play style of LaVisca, who is so explosive and jittery, if I may say, I like that on my fantasy team. Got an opportunity to take it to the house. The rapport he seems to be building with Trevor Lawrence looks real. I could see him being a little bit of a safety blanket who's also got that explosive way about him. I'm feeling good about LaVisca this season as well as week one. Austin says Visca is jittery. If you're not getting your jitters from the pumpkin spice latte, you get them from your boy LaVisca Chenault, hopefully. Johnny, I want to know if our, you know, these Carl or if these J Rob truthers, these James Robinson truthers are going to be getting the, the heebie jeebies from Carlos Hyde this offseason because we've got Urban Meyer with ties to Carlos Hyde. We've got a situation where Carlos Hyde could be really annoying. Oh, he's definitely going to be really annoying. And you've already started to see that in the preseason where you look at the total number of snaps with Trevor Lawrence, 66. And then you look at the running back breakdown there, and that's going to be not so pretty. Robinson with 33 snaps and Carlos Hyde with 28 snaps. So they will continue to split this. It will be frustrating, right? We talked about Bevel last year from Detroit and that mess that we talked about, you know, with Adrian Peterson, DeAndre Swift and carry on uh, knee brace uh, Johnson there. And so there will be annoying and frustrating times. However, I do want to mention that if you are going to, you know, absolutely not question playing James Robinson in any game this season, it's going to be this one because they are going against Houston, who is one of the worst run defenses, not only the one one of the worst uh, pass defenses, but they're also one of the worst run defenses. And so I do think James Robinson is going to have himself a day. Uh, you look at last year, the Texans allowed the most fantasy points per game to running backs. Their defense has also allowed the most rushing yards per game while allowing an average of 1.5 rushing touchdowns a game. So I do expect James Robinson to get those goal line carries. So you're looking at a chance of you getting over under 1.5 rushing touchdowns. Sign me up for that. So I, I do think James Robinson is an absolute smash play this weekend. Austin, as we move on to Houston, we talk about maybe like a 30 for 30 situation, you know, there's like 30 running backs. There's, you know, then they're all over 30 years old. And then you're like, and they all got what 30 if yards I, on the season? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They all average 30 yards a game or less. Uh, what if I told you that David Johnson was traded for DeAndre Hopkins, essentially? What if I told you that Mark Ingram, after being dusted last year, was brought on this lineup? And what if I told you that we brought Philip Lindsay in as well, who hasn't been the model of consistent health? I'm just not excited about this running back I, I I'm sorry that you got to sign the running back backfield to talk about here can you give us any juice here Austin I mean I can give you some juice I don't know if you want to drink it my man like <laughs> like some clumpy juice you're Fair. checking the expiration date on twice before you fill your cup um 
and it's on it's like that that date was two days ago so you're like uh <laughs> do i do i let it ride you know is this just a marketing ploy to try to get me to buy more juice uh no but you shouldn't really buy invest over here we got david johnson we got mark ingram and we got philip Lindsay. david johnson was the early season favorite to do it all and now it's looking more like he's about to be the pass catching role um, in texas the early down work looks like it's going to be split between philip Lindsay and mark ingram in that order Mark Ingram coming into his 11th season. Last season was his lowest yards per carry since 2012. And like we said, he's going to be splitting that work with Lindsey. Not likely to see much passing down work. On a very unexciting offense. I'm fading on Mark Ingram. Philip Lindsey is the early favorite now, but he is going to be splitting carries, as I mentioned, with Mark Ingram. He's a serviceable pass catcher, but he's never caught more than 35 in a season, Travi. And David Johnson you know, was Associated Press's wide receiver of the year. Um, it doesn't seem like that many years ago, but, you know, five or six or however many it was back with Arizona. Um, so Philip Lindsay's not going to eclipse David Johnson in the pass catching role. The best number really working in Philip Lindsay's favor, as far as I'm concerned, is his age, which is 27. Um, he's the youngest of the bunch with the least amount of tread on his tires. But, man, at 190 pounds, I'm not baking on that volume. And his pro football focus offensive grade has gone down every single year. Travis started at 82.4, and last year he came in under 70. His pass blocking has also gone down. Um, and last year, his pass blocking percentage, I would argue he's a liability now at this point, 35.8. That's the red. If we're color coding him and, and you know, 70-plus uh, is green, uh, yeah, 35.8 is in the red. So I'm not feeling good about his role on the pass catching. He's going to be splitting down early work with Mark Ingram on a not very good offense, and he's not going to get that passing down work. So. I think David Johnson, Travi, of these three, still has the most upside if you had to roll one out because he's got that breakaway ability-ish, kind of, or at least he remembers <laughs> what it was once like. And he's going to be getting the ball in the open field, you presume, from the pass-catching role, which puts him in a position to have the best day. But I'm not starting any one of these three this week or anything unless I see something drastically different. A lot of change, a lot of turnover with the Houston Texans offense. Obviously, we bring Tyrod Taylor in. Uh, we have Deshaun Watson probably going to be at, inactive for most of this year, if not all of it, depending on what the trade status goes with there. So when I look at what this team could actually do for fantasy, we probably focus on the wide receiver uh, position. We look at maybe Brandon Cooks as the wide receiver one on this team. He's been a top 15 wide receiver in standard in five of the last six years. He caught 78 balls in four of his last six years, and he's only failed to gain 1,000 yards in two of seven total NFL seasons. So yeah, I'm confident that he'll be able to be the funnel here. I'm, I don't know if I'm super confident in Tyrod Taylor to consistently do it. I mean, we've just seen Taylor be up and down and, and just not anything inspiring over his career. But I do have wide receiver three level confidence in Brandon Cooks, especially in this favorable matchup. Um, and but that's about it for the passing attack. Johnny, I just wanted to ask you because I'm going to keep an eye a little bit on the battle for the secondary targets in this offense. Mm -hmm. But do you have a, an early favorite, whether it be Nico Collins, Danny Amendola, who was recently brought over or, or, or any of the tight ends any any early quick favorite for uh, the, those secondary targets. I do think Nico Collins is going to be a guy that is interesting. He's in having a really good camp and he is one of their biggest targets they're going to have. The thing I do want to mention is Tyrod Taylor is like, we don't think there's much upside there. However, we do know that he from time to time when he started, he did at least produce one viable wide receiver option for fantasy uh you know sammy Watkins was in there you also had um the uh the tight end i now i'm blanking on his name because charles clay charles clay thank you uh charles clay was a solid fantasy option when sammy was out so 
there is room, and I do think with Travis, I believe what Travis is saying, it will be uh, Cooks here. But yeah, watch out for Nico Collins uh, as a potential, you know, waiver wire guy that you might want to stash. Not Danny the Manny? No. All right. Well, we'll see. I mean, this is going to be, it's going to be interesting. They're going to have to throw. So is it going to be a combo of Cooks and David Johnson? Will it be one of the younger receivers? Will it be the old veteran and Danny Amendola? I have no idea, but we'll we'll continue tomorrow. Time work too, because they're going to be pulling out all those starting corners and the Texans are still going to be down by a whole bunch. And Oh, absolutely. There's going to be something here. And and one of those guys will be a consistent waiver wire add and drop all year long. We're sure. Mm -hmm. Or maybe a couple of them. All right, moving on to the next game, we've got the Washington football team hosting the Los Angeles Chargers in a 44-and-a-half point over-under where the Chargers are favored by a whopping one point here. So they expecting maybe a defensive battle or at least a battle that you know will favor um, you know ball control here between these two teams. The Chargers being favored on the road. We have to talk about this offense, and and before I get into it, we're going we're gonna to start at what we think is probably the most consistent player as far as PPR running backs have been concerned over the last couple of years outside of the top elite guys. But Austin Eckler is now fully healthy and back into this lineup, and we've got to be pretty concerned. I know you haven't always been um, the highest on Austin Eckler personally, but when you dived in, when you dove into it, what are you seeing about Eckler, and how do we feel about this particular matchup? Eckler is an elite pass catching back and his numbers are right up there with Christian McCaffrey's and Alvin Kamara's pass catching work. His rushing upside isn't as high as uh, CMC's or even Alvin Kamara's, but the dude can play. Um, He's top five in rush attempts per broken tackle, 8.9, right ahead of Nick Chubb, uh, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. So that's that, that suggests he does have some running chops. He's got the ability to break some tackles, and but the but he's not a voluminous runner. And we knew this the entire time coming in. You're getting him because of his pass catching ability. Um, where we saw him in 2019 have 900 yards receiving to go along with his uh, 557 yards on the ground. I think folks are expecting another type of ceiling performance from Austin Eckler, where we can get close to that thousand yards through the air, as well as, you know, 500 plus yards rushing, um, which would situate him in a really, really good position, especially as you mentioned, Travi, in a PPR league where he's going to be catching a ton of passes. Yeah, we're a big fan of Austin Eckler on the show. We'll just see if he can stay healthy and stay with it all season long. That'll be the the uh, key here. But the Chargers have improved their offensive line, Johnny, and they're going to face off against a Washington football team front that is very dastardly, if you if you could say that. I don't know. I'm reaching for words here. But either way, uh, we've got the Washington football team coming in hot with uh, former first-round overall or first second overall pick, uh, Chris Young here. So, Johnny, when we look at this, you've been a proponent of saying that Herbert is going to be in for some regression. Does it start week one here against the football team? I do believe it does. You look at Washington, they are not only one of the best defenses on paper, but when you're talking about fantasy perspective, they really shut down opposing quarterbacks last year. So I am sticking on this. I think that Joe uh, – it's probably doubtful that you have a better option than Justin Herbert, especially where you draft him. So this is part of those, uh, you know, if you're not going to stream your quarterback, you kind of just have to endure this and hope that he can get some of those check downs and, and to Eckler and Eckler ends up scoring. But I like Vegas has, I don't expect this to be a high scoring offense this week. And I do think that Herbert's, uh, 
regression does end up starting this week and, and it will continue. Uh, but I'm, I, if you have an option, if you were able to draft, you know, Herbert and, and maybe get like a Hertz or something, or maybe a Baker Mayfield, I would go with that direction over Herbert this week. We got a situation where Joe Lombardi comes in over uh, from New Orleans. He's the offensive coordinator now for the Chargers, uh, and we see this pass catching core that Justin Herbert is is surrounded by. Uh, starts with Keenan Allen, who was the wide receiver fourteen in PPR and nineteen in standard, and only had two games uh, where he had, you know, he had two games where he had over fifty percent of the snaps. Did he not score over ten fantasy points? So super consistent last year. One of those games came with Tyrod Taylor. The question we'll ask about this offense and, and look at over the next few weeks is who becomes the Michael Thomas for Joe Lombardi? My bet is Keenan Allen just based on target share and what he's been able to do. But we've heard reports that big Mike Williams will be that X in this offense and be the guy that actually dominates uh, targets or has a chance to uh, not maybe not over Keenan Allen, but has a chance to break out more than we've seen last season with Herbert um, in games where he played over 75 percent of the uh, snaps. Mike Williams averaged six targets, three and a half catches and 58 yards. We love big Mike Williams is a stash um, mm. not confident against week two against Washington in this second race ranked pasty um, uh, but so that's where I'm at I, I'm starting Keenan Allen I'm probably not starting uh, big Mike Williams and then just a note on Jared Cook just 37 catches last year but seven touchdowns coming over from that New Orleans offense with Joe Lombardi here interested to see what Cook will do in this offense because Hunter Henry was the tight end 12 last year in 2020 so Kind of trying to figure out, will it be Josh Palmer? Maybe that that's the, the tertiary piece, or will it be Jared Cook here? That's something to keep an eye on uh, for this week and going forward. We'll talk about the Washington football team because maybe this is the most you know intriguing uh, team we're looking at right now. Um, with Antonio Gibson, uh, I'm sorry, with Antonio Gibson, we're, we're looking at if he's going to be that CMC role, if we can get him into the CMC role that we wanted him to be. And so I'll ask, you know, I'll pitch this to the council who can make the case that he is going to be the CMC because that's what they've been saying, but we've never seen him get that receiving work with JD McKissick on the roster. I I am going to uh, stand up to the plate here (laughs) and say that I do think that there is this upside to Gibson this year. I do realistically think he has a very good shot at being a top five running back for the whole season. But And I think it starts this weekend against uh, the LA Chargers. You look at their rush defense, one of the worst in the league. Uh, you're not scared about it. They will run the ball. We do also know that. And here's the other thing. Now, CMC was on the field for the vast majority of snaps. And I think that that's where people's mind uh, is generally going when they think of, oh, does he have CMC upside? And I don't know if that's necessarily the right question to be asking. It's can he score the same amount of points as CMC? And I think that is where you're going to reveal a much more uh, bigger portion of him likelihood or his the likelihood that he hits this, right? Because this is the important thing. Sure, there are rushing yards and receiving yards that you want to get, but you also want to be able to look at that scoring touchdowns. That's what we want in fantasy football, and that's the major piece where Gibson could make up the value of not necessarily always being in on third downs. Uh, You look at last year, carries inside the five-yard line uh, for Washington football team. Antonio Gibson had 11. We already know he had 10 touchdowns on the ground which is a a great feat, but Peyton Barber had nine goal line carries inside Mm. or five yard line. And guess what? 
There is no more Peyton Barber there. They're not dabbling around with the question anymore, and they're not going to joke around by putting him in there. It is going to be Gibson all day long at the goal line. They should be there a lot more than last year as well. So Gibson, to me, is a not only a smash this week, but look look forward to him being an awesome uh you know somewhat replica of cmc and we saw what cmc jumped from that that second year from his first year he finished as an rb9 and then he jumped up to the rb2 and so i definitely think that that could be in the realm for gibson now i know a lot of people are going to be asking about jd mckissick should we play him i this in this game if you if you have to I could say he he could be a nice flex for you, a decent flex. I do project his receiving work to come down a lot more. Fitzpatrick doesn't necessarily always check down to the running back as much as check down King Alex Smith did. So I don't know if he's going to be necessarily uh, as, as steady of a flex running back as a lot of people projected or predicted because of that of what we saw last year i think it will change a little bit i do think gibson will get a little bit more of that receiving work and uh i'm looking to play him and only play jd if it is a uh, flex dire need and i wanted well, to add under the, if i could ask on one last thing there supporting johnny's case is had antonio gibson is the only halfback above 200 pounds right now after mm-hmm. the release of peyton barber he also has a chance to cut into a little bit of that receiving work that J.D. McKissick has. So he's going to be the early down back. He's going to be the goal line back. And I think it's likely it ends up splitting some touches with J.D. McKissick as well, which is only going to help to Johnny's prediction. Yeah. Maybe the second most interesting storyline behind the Gibson hype this offseason has been Ryan Fitzpatrick coming over and, and, and shirking retirement to be the quarterback here for the Washington football team. Over the last three seasons, Fitz points per game have been 18 points per game in 2020. That was 16th best. 16.8 points per game in 2019. That was 17th best. And then we go back all the way to 2018 where he hit 22 points per game, ranked third. What we know is he'll be able to air it out. You know, this is a new offense, but plenty of weapons at all three offensive labels, you know, levels, whether it's Gibson that we talked about. We've got Logan Thomas, who we'll get into. And then obviously Terry McLaurin. And that's who I want to talk about next year, because Terry McLaurin is poised for an absolute monster season. If he can stay on the field and continue to build on the rapport that we've been reporting on with Fitzpatrick, as Nathan Janke on Twitter, um, as Nathan Janke on Twitter pointed out, Wide receivers with 200-plus targets, 2,000 yards, and a PAFF grade of above 85 in their first two seasons from the past decade have all finished top six in PPR the following year. A.J. Green finished fourth the following year, Mike Evans third, OBJ fourth, and Michael Thomas sixth. Hyped to see Terry McLaurin's ceiling here with Ryan Fitzpatrick with all the production he's already had. And then, of course, we've got the situation with Curtis Samuel and his groin. Uh, we, We talked about him pulling up a little bit here. Austin, I know you're dropping that in our League of Record chat, talking about that not looking good. I'm also going to be looking out, Austin, for who establishes that secondary work in the wide receiving room for him. He's had an affinity for Humphreys before when their time in in Tampa Bay together. Um, Do you think that it'll mostly be Logan Thomas, or do you think it'll be a situation where one of these other wide receivers can step up? Another wide receiver is going to step up and will have a role, but I believe at least to start the year, Logan Thomas is going to be the most reliable number two option for Fitzpatrick. We saw a 14.1 target percentage for Logan Thomas in the preseason. Johnny, let me know if that was off or not. You had shared that stat on our show last week. I thought it was great. 
which was slightly above league average, but more importantly, significantly above Ryan Fitzpatrick's average for throwing to his tight ends. Traditionally, Ryan Fitzpatrick has not been a lover of the tight end position and throwing them passes. But Logan Thomas's preseason production would suggest that maybe he's being viewed in a different role. And I believe from a talent perspective, nobody's really going to stand close to Logan Thomas if Curtis Samuel is down right now. So I think it's a clean number two role for Logan Thomas right now. But you are going to have other wide receivers involved in the field. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to he's going to find the open guy or at least he's going to go for it. It's, it's as good as going to be exciting. Um, I feel fine about Logan Thomas, especially the Curtis Samuel drop. You want to know who the wide receiver is going to be? Mm. Uh, J.D. McKissick? Nope. Antonio Gibson? Nope. Same as Daimi Brown. Go and race your waiver wires and pick him up because he's going to be on there. Guaranteed. Johnny the Seer is giving you all what you can see in the future right now, so make sure you stay ahead of the waiver wire if you're in those deeper leagues. Take a peek at Daimi Brown if you can. All right, I want to talk about Manscaped. Fantasy football is upon us, and it's time you put the PP back in PPR League with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0, so don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping. That's TFWMAN at manscaped.com. All right, we're going to get into the next game on the slate, which is the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Indianapolis Colts. It is a game that has a 49.5 point over under. Seattle favored by just under a field goal as we look at this game. Austin, the obvious question of the year, the question on everybody's mind forever with Russell Wilson is, will they let Russ cook? Where are we at with Russ, especially against, you know, one of the tougher matchups in the league in Indy? They've got a a very solid defense. Um, How do we feel this new offense is going to look with Russell Wilson? I mean, I think Russ is going to be cooking. It's just as he getting a Viking oven or an easy bake. And Shane Waldron coming over here from Los Angeles doesn't inspire a ton of excitement for me from a fantasy perspective. I don't think that the Seattle Seahawks offense overall is going to be too awful, but we've seen Russell Wilson be the hook, line, and sinker for this offense for you know the last couple of years at least, um, despite the attempts to have a strong running game and all these things. It's Russell's offense. Um, now Vegas has this as the sixth highest over under of the weekend, so I like that. Um, but going back to the Shane Waldron point here, who's coming over from LA is going to be running a lot more 12 and 13 personnel. This means more tight ends on the field. Um, and it's going to be mean likely shorter passes, more rushing attempts. Um, and I'm just not stoked about what Shane Waldron has produced from a fantasy quarterback perspective in 2019, the first year, uh, he served as the passing coordinator for the Rams. Jared Goff dropped. 10 touchdowns from the year before. Um, And he moved from the quarterback six to the quarterback 13. And then last year was the quarterback 20. Um, Not to suggest that's all on Shane Waldron, but he was the one overseeing the passing coordination. And these are the results that we saw coming from the quarterback he was working most closely with. And Russell Wilson, he's broken 20 points uh, in the first game of the season in the last three years, Travi, but those were all against bottom half defenses. Indianapolis is going to be starting the season as the seventh ranked pass defense, new offensive coordinator, some questions. I think Russell is going to be fine. The weapons are amazing. The rapport with DK and Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson is as good as it gets. 
but there's a lot of numbers suggesting to not get overly excited about this week one matchup, Travi. If I have him, I'm starting him, but I am going to temper my expectations for Russell Wilson in week one. Yeah, it could be one of those things where this offense does take a little bit of time to get going. It does take time to learn the new nuances of the offense. I will take some solace in the 49 and a half point over under. It is up there in an over under. So we like that. There should be some points scored in this game. Johnny, that should mean that the wide receivers get involvement, um, even though none of them played in the offseason in the preseason. Yeah, we do want to monitor Tyler Lockett. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury. So uh, Mm. we do need he might miss this game. So keep that monitored. Uh, if he does play, though, matchup on paper is very nice, so he should be a good start. We talk about him uh, going off for four games this uh, season. If he plays, this could be one of them, so uh, I would get him in your lineup. The matchup for DK, not so great, but you're not benching DK, especially where you draft him. You're going to put him in and play your stud, So, uh, and then you know, even more thumbs up. If Tyler does end up sitting, then DK should have an increased role as well. Going to be keeping an eye on another pass catcher in this offense, Gerald Everett, who's coming over uh, from the Shane Waldron-led Rams last year, and uh, that's going to be something to monitor. He gets some hype in the offseason. Want to just quickly point out that Chris Carson, um, you know, is facing Indy's 11th-ranked rush defense. This is not ideal, but we're not benching Carson, similar to the DK take. We look at Shane Waldron's Rams-style offense. Can we get Carson more pass-catching? RB 12, 16, and 19 in PPR over the last three seasons. We want to get those pass-catching up for Carson, so I'll be interested to see because the Rams have been hit and miss. You know, Some years with Gurley, they were high in pass-catching. Other years, not so much, so we'll see what happens there. As we move over to the Indianapolis Colts. I want to start with Carson Wentz, Austin, because he's had an up-and-down season health-wise uh, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Call it COVID, call it the the foot, whatever you want to talk about. What is going, you know, who is going to be Wentz's number one? What are we going to see out of Carson Wentz in this passing attack? Well, we've got three options, really, we're looking at from the wide receiver perspective. Travis, we've got Michael Pittman Jr., we got Paris Campbell, we got Zach Pascal, and they're ranked in that order right now by most depth charts that you would be taking a look at. Uh, starting with Zach Pascal, I um, should see the most amount of targets in this offense, but as Johnny stated out, that's only going to be about 15%, and he's not really a big play type receiver, more of that possession role. Paris Campbell would be the big play threat. Um, this, to me, though, for both wide receivers is a wait-and-see type of game. We're going to need to understand what Carson Wentz is capable of in an Indianapolis uniform before I would personally feel comfortable dropping one of these pass catchers in there. I think down the road, you're going to be feeling good about Pittman or Paris Campbell if they can stay healthy in your lineup. But this week one matchup with Carson Wentz, who's coming over from Philadelphia, Big Travi, I'm not, I mean, I'm a little more excited than I was in the middle of last season um, where he had just such a horrendous output uh, compared to the end of the season where his last five games, he averaged 301 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Not great, but it is an improvement. And there's a huge opportunity here, Travis, as we know, going up against Seattle, who does clock in as the number 21 pass defense. And we also have talked about how it's expected to be a pretty high scoring game. But yeah, Carson Wentz, whether or not he is returning to form or not, he's on a new team with a new coordinator, with a new batch of receivers, and he hasn't had a lot of work in the offseason because of COVID and because of the foot injury. So it's a wait and see situation for me, but I do like Michael Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell long term. I want to know, you know, if we're going to see what we need to see to get Jonathan Taylor's first round value solidified, if we can justify taking him where we took him. We all know the season he had. He was 83.9, graded the highest 
per PFF graded rookie running back. He went nuclear over the last five weeks. We all saw it. 21 touches, over 140 all-purpose yards, eight touchdowns in that stretch. But the receiving work just wasn't quite there. And I'm wondering if we're going to get that with a Naheem Himes on the roster who was just announced as the number two running back on the depth chart. Um, He still managed double-digit PPR fantasy points in four of the five JT Monster games. Um, So there's a situation here where I just don't know if Taylor's got the receiving upside to get him to that elite level. Um, I'm worried about the usage in the passing game, and that's probably going to be one of the biggest things I'm watching out of this backfield is how just how much he is used. You're obviously starting Jonathan Taylor. You spent first-round capital on him, so make sure you do so. Johnny, one of our favorite sleepers uh, of the offseason has been Mo Alley-Cox, so sell me a little bit on Mo Alley-Cox and how much you're going to be watching him here in this game. Oh, I think he's definitely going to be a player to watch. Jack Doyle getting up there in age. They are projecting him to be a little bit more of a pass catcher or, or excuse me, a pass blocker this this year. And that could really unlock. We've seen how much Carson Wentz relies on his tight end. Big Mo is this is prime for a breakout this year. And you look at uh, the target market shares for the wide receivers are so low. One, because they target, you know, the running back a lot. So Naheem Hines, you are dead accurate on that. And then as well as the tight ends, they uh, also tight, uh, target the tight ends a significant amount in this offense. So I am really looking forward to Big Mo and and what he could. He could be that pop off wide res- or tight end that, you know, kind of comes out of nowhere. And he ends up being on a lot, you know, like the Logan Thomas of last year. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to our next game here on the slate, which, of course, is the Carolina Panthers hosting the New York Jets in maybe the most exciting game on the slate. No, uh, 45 point over under Carolina Panthers favored by five points at home. That's why the Panthers have actually been one of the streaming defenses of the week that you could start your year with, because we're just not sure what we're going to get out of the Jets. That extends down from their rookie quarterback all the way to their backfield, Austin, which just announced that Tevin Coleman will be the starter for this backfield after an offseason of drafting Michael Carter and wondering if Michael Carter would be the man. So, Austin, tell me what you think if we can trust Tevin Coleman this week and going forward. No, <laughs> don't trust no. Tevin Coleman this week <laughs> moving forward. I will tell you what, though, they're going up against um, the Carolina Panthers who have a bottom half rush defense. So if you're really running back thirsty and you don't have a better option, that's always the thing, right? Tevin Coleman, you could do worse than him, um, especially with that news, like you said, of him being crowned the starter, whatever that means coming in right now. Um but Tevin Coleman last season, it was a really weird year, sporadic year, inconsistent year, dealing with injuries, dealing with uh, a lot of other challenges over there in San Francisco for Tevin Coleman. Um, but the numbers are not exciting, man. He rushed 53 yards on 28 total attempts. Um, and at age 28, I'm not expecting to see him turn the clock back. You know, they say he's got that straight up speed. It's like, DK Metcalf lost in a foot race, you know, straight up. And he's like one of the fast guys in the NFL, like straight up speed is not what you're just going to need to play efficient football. Um, But he's pretty reliable, which makes sense for a week one starter when you have a Zach Wilson rookie quarterback coming in. Um, He's pretty good at pass blocking. He's a pretty, you know, right runner. Uh, He can catch passes. He can do a little bit of everything, but he's not going to blow you away really at any position, Big Travi. Honestly, the running back I'm most excited for right now is Ty Johnson. Um, Ty Johnson is just 23 years old. I mean, it's 117 carries. He's averaged over 4.5 yards per carry in both teams that he's been with. Um, 
And Pro Football Focus has him ranked as an exceptional pass blocker. Um, scores above 75. That's going to be bright green for us paying attention to the color code. Um, I like Ty Johnson's overall all around a little bit more than I like Tevin Coleman's. He's just less familiar. I think he ends up becoming the new Tevin Coleman with an even higher ceiling. The question would become Michael Carter, who was drafted uh, an explosive player who people are excited to see what he could do. He's coming in with a little bit of an injury right now, though. And I think the long-term opportunities could be there, but Michael Carter um, is dealing with people ahead of him. He's dealing with not great reports coming out. He's dealing with a bit of an injury that's also undisclosed. So it's going to be a committee no matter what. I think Carter's at the back. I think Tevin Coleman's right now is at the front. But Ty Johnson's actually who I think I'll be putting my bet on uh, middle to end of the season as being the back you'd like to roster for New York. Love this take. It's been something that hasn't been talked about a lot is Ty Johnson's ability to maybe win this job over the offseason. So Whisper Nation, take a listen to that and maybe jot that down as somebody in the waiver wires. It's going to be coming up soon, sooner rather than later. When we look at this offense, it starts and ends kind of with Zach Wilson. He was PFF's highest graded rookie QB in the preseason after a lot of hype you know, um, as the savior of the New York Jets, um, seemed to get his mobility going, established some excellent chemistry with Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. He's going to get one of the better draws in week one. Carolina was bottom 13 against QBs last year, and PFF ranks them as the 23rd best, I guess if you could call it that, pass defense. Still a wait and see for me, but a great litmus test here for Zach Wilson. If he can, you know, capitalize on this defense that he's facing, then we like that. And so what that means, Johnny, is where are we at with this pass catching core? Because we've heard hype on Elijah Moore. We've got the hype on Corey Davis. Will both of them be able to match that preseason hype and, and give us some fantasy relevant games? Uh, Elijah Moore has been dealing with some injuries during training camp, and that's never good when you're a rookie. So for me, Elijah Moore is still wait and see. I wouldn't throw him in your lineup this week, even though the matchup deems it be okay. But you also have to see how much they play Crowder in this game because Crowder has been kind of creeping and kind of staying on that depth chart, which uh, we thought that he could possibly cut. That's why the Elijah Moore hype kind of got a little out of control per se, but if there's going to be a wide receiver I'm playing in this game, it's going to be Corey Davis. He is by none bar none. He has been the best wide receiver there for the jets. He has built a huge, massive rapport with Zach Wilson. We do know this offense drives to that, you know, kind of X alpha wide receiver role. And so it's all lining up for Corey Davis and and talking about that preseason 50% of Zach Wilson's targets, not, not like completions targets went, to Corey Davis. So I am definitely liking this matchup for Corey Davis this week. I think Corey Davis is going to be one of those, uh, you know, wide receivers that you ended up getting later on in drafts, but he's going to be a steady, steady Eddie, as they might call him uh, come this fantasy season. The steady Eddie for the Carolina Panthers has always been, since he's been on the team, Christian McCaffrey pretty much. Uh, And we're going to look at seeing, you know, two questions for me when we look at Christian McCaffrey in this offense. I'm curious uh, if we're going to be right on two things. CMC's workload being the same as it was last year and whether Hubbard is in fact the handcuff, because those are some of the things that we were concerned about after last year, CMC being injured, and then obviously Mike Davis kind of coming out of nowhere. We look at New York. uh, They struggled against receiving backs, allowing the fourth most targets and receptions to halfbacks in 2020. And then you have rotoballer Keith Hernandez saying that offensive coordinator Joe Brady said last month that he doesn't plan to use McCaffrey any less this year just because of the previous injuries. So hopefully we'll see what happens there. But, you know, beyond CMC, uh, Austin, the big question is Sam Darnold. And and I want to know if the experiment is over with Sam Darnold or just beginning. I think we have to look at it as just beginning, but that doesn't mean we don't observe this 
beginning experiment with without any hesitation or skepticism. Um, Sam Darnold has a really odd sample size. He was a top three pick in 2018, who then went to play directly under Adam Gase. He got mono. He had a really weird cast of weapons. Um, for whatever reason, though, talent, weapons, Adam Gase, he's never been a top 24 quarterback. And last year, Travi, he didn't break the top 20 for short, intermediate, or deep passing metrics. But this year is different, right? He's got a new team. He's got a new coach. And he has, hands down, the best weapons he's had up till now with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, Chubba Hubbard, Johnny's boy, Terrace Marshall. So I'm betting on Darnold having his best season yet. That does not mean to rely on him as your QB1 for the remainder of the season. But I don't hate this matchup going up against the Jets' 28th-ranked pass defense. I'd like to have somebody a little bit better. But if you're going in a super flex type of situation or your league was just super quarterback hungry, Sam Darnold is not a bad play week one. Dang. Uh all right, so I wanted to ask about the wide receivers next, but I muted myself. Sorry about that. Uh, Johnny, I wanted to ask you about these wide receivers because last year we broke it down with the three being Curtis Samuel being that third option. Now he is gone. They bring in Terrace Marshall, who has ran this system of Joe Brady's at LSU before, and now we've got a situation where Robbie Anderson gets paid. DJ Moore is maybe the most physically gifted, the advanced metric wide receiver. How are you seeing this shake out, and what do we think about this week? So DJ Moore, I want to make this like a little PSA announcement. Um, PSA or DJ Moore is being tremendously overlooked and overvalued, undervalued this season, this draft season, especially uh, when you look at DJ Moore, just from how good he is from a perspective. I don't think people talk about it. Uh, he should get the ball really, really quickly in this offense. And you are looking at the only players who total more receiving yards than DJ Moore before the age of 24, uh, before the age of 24, Randy Moss, Mike Evans, and DeAndre Hopkins. That's it. And then it goes DJ Moore. So people don't realize just how good he is. And I do think that he is going to have a very solid year again because they will get on all the preseason games. They've been trying to get the ball into DJ Moore's hands quick. Do note, he changed his number from 12 to 2. It was a little bit confusing for me as well, uh, but that is what happened. And you look at this matchup this week, he on paper has the best cornerback matchup of, of the three wide receivers. So I do plan to start and play DJ Moore if you've got him. Uh, Robbie Anderson, I'm not looking to play him week one. I just do think it's a little bit too risky. I understand you draft him uh, pretty high draft capital, but if you can look somewhere else, uh, it's not the best matchup on paper. Plus, I do expect it to be a big CMC game, a lot of checkdowns to, uh, to CMC. And Terrace Marshall is going to be a guy I'm not going to play. Uh, this is going to be a good like litmus test, as Big Travi likes to say, um, because it's not a great matchup on paper. But if Chris uh, or if Sam Darnold does still go to him quite often, which we do expect because it's a slot receiver and we know how much Sam Darnold loves a slot receiver. So if Terrence Marshall can perform this week, then it will be a very good outlook for him season long, I do believe. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm going with these three wide receivers and do look for Terrence Marshall to be on a future uh, you know, waiver wire article or, or show in the next couple of weeks because he will be targeted a lot. Uh, Travis to a mutant himself again as well. 
week one, week one, we could tell. Dang. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to say that I absolutely agree with that, that Terrace Marshall could definitely be in my waiver wire column in the next coming weeks. So keep an eye on his usage here. But I absolutely want to tell Whisper Nation about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog yeah. Fantasy is the best and easiest play to fa- play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have player prop bets like over under on touchdowns, receiving yardage and rushing totals and more. We will be helping you build a few sl- bet slips each week. And when you go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, they're going to give you $25 free when you use the promo code TFW. That is underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for 25 bucks of free play money. Well, it's like free real money, but you play with it. Uh, and that's TFW for $25. Gentlemen, we're moving on to the next game, which is the Minnesota Vikings Vikings visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of storylines here. We'll start with the over-under, which is 48 points. You've got the Minnesota Vikings favored on the road. Austin, I just want to know, like, is anything changing with his offense? We know what we get out of Minnesota, right? We have a, a narrow target tree. We know the running back. We know the quarterback. Anything, anything up for grabs or, or different here? Well, we're replacing Gary Kubiak, their offensive coordinator, with the son, Clint Kubiak, who's coming in at 34 years old, and it's going to be his first time calling plays. I presume the Minnesota Vikings wanted to keep some continuity and went ahead and made a non-nepotistic uh, choice, I'm sure. I'm sure he totally, <laughs> totally is by merit the right call to call plays. Yeah, sure. For Couldn't sure. be anybody else but his son. He didn't have to look any farther. For sure. Probably, probably um, part of his, uh, his retirement plan not a bad plan then if you're coming at it from that angle so the only real concern that i do have is a first time signal caller taking the reins a little tighter in the hands than he should um but other than that no travis i think we pick up where we left off not not picking up from that detroit game because you don't get to play detroit every single week where (laughs) uh, kirk cousins had 405 yards and three touchdowns i don't think we're going to see much of that i expect to see more of what the average on Kirk Cousins was last season, Travis, where he had 267 yards through the air and two touchdowns per game. I expect to see that level of production continue. He's got a really good matchup, though, this week one, going up against the Bengals' 27th-ranked pass defense. Justin Jefferson's looking good. Adam Thielen's looking good. Dalvin Cook's looking good. Um, Starting Kirk Cousins week one, I have no issues with. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm smashing the over on this game. It's 48 right now. I think this game could easily turn into one of those ones that just kind of explodes in points because of the opposing offense and all that. But as Austin said, we kind of know what we get out of Kirk Cousins. We know what we get out of these wide receivers. Jefferson, obviously super impressive last year. At one point was the number one ranked PFF rookie wide receiver of all time. He ended up finishing as the number three in the season behind Devontae Adams and A.J. Brown. So you love to see that. Um, we look at Adam Thielen, 31 years old coming in here, eighth season in the NFL. He had 14 touchdowns last year. That was tied for third among wide receivers. Dang. Those touchdowns accounted for 47% of Thielen's points last year. So basically what we want to see is if he's going to be buoyed by a bunch of touchdowns again, will he say that red zone threat for Kirk Cousins or does Jefferson overtake him? Or do we have something brewing in these tight ends? Uh, if you could say that with Tyler Conklin um, and then you see Chris Herndon, who was brought over, who is the perennial post-hype sleeper that we always think might be able to do something. Not too sure that's what happens, um, but we'll take a peek at that. We'll look at that. I'm not starting anybody of the tight end group. I'm definitely starting both of the wide receivers and Jefferson and Thielen against this Bengals defense uh, because, I mean, when else are you going to get to start Thielen if you didn't believe in him? Um, And, you know, you're definitely starting Jamar Jefferson based on where you draft him. Johnny, you're basically for sure starting Dalvin Cook against Cincinnati as well. 
Yeah, I just want to note he's got uh, the second most projected rushing yards this weekend of uh, any running back. Derrick Henry, number one with 83, and then Dalvin Cook at 80, and then CMC following that up. So definitely smash that. And I just want to mention on the Chris Herndon, because I know a lot of people are now hyped on Chris Herndon again because they were hyped on Irv Smith, and there was some hype on Herndon. While I don't project much more than about 12% of the market share to go to Herndon, so I wouldn't be looking at playing him this weekend. Also, we've got a situation similar to Justin Jefferson, uh, former college teammate. Jamar Chase is now coming over to to maybe be the, you know, ipso facto number one for the Cincinnati Bengals, except for he's had some trouble this offseason. Is he going to have trouble adjusting like Jefferson did at the beginning of the year, but then come on strong? Or do we think this is a, a totally different case and, and you're not as hyped on him? And I don't really have a reason to think that Jamar Chase is going to come in and get it going in a superior fashion than Justin Jefferson did last year, who struggled in weeks one and two, where he combined for just 70 yards on five catches. Week three is where Justin Jefferson blew up with that 175-yard game, and he had 100-yard games in two out of the next three. But Jamar Chase hasn't played competitive football since before the pandemic, and the reports from camp have not been amazing. Um, I'm not concerned about him long-term, both from a dynasty perspective or just in redraft the 2020 season, 2021 season, excuse me, coming up ahead. But to me, it's T. Higgins, Big Travi. That's the wide receiver I'm feeling good about starting in Cincinnati. Just as a quick refresher, T. Higgins, the 21-year-old rookie, the six foot four Clemson product, clips 900 yards his rookie year and didn't have a catch in weeks one or 17. So if he did, he's easily breaking 1,000 yards there. I mean, finished with a pro football focus wide receiver grade of 79, putting him just uh, behind D.J. Moore and ahead of Amari Cooper, Terry McLaurin, and Mike Evans. He had a phenomenal rookie year. And I think he's going to build on that with Joe Burrow, as well as an improved wide receiver core. I think Jamar Chase is fine moving forward, uh, but I'm not excited about him, at least until the first month of the season. Um, T. Higgins, though, you can get him going week one. And Tyler Boyd, he's in the number two spot for now. All hopes from the Cincinnati Bengals organization that he'll be the number three wide receiver. I think until that is solidified, until Jamar Chase gets his sea legs, you can start Tyler Boyd if you want. uh, But I'm not doing it with excitement. T. Higgins, though, I'm pretty stoked for it. I'm going to pause on Jamar Chase until I see some actual NFL production. Speaking of sea legs, we've got to check out the sea legs of Joe Burrow because he's coming back after the knee constructive surgery here. QB 18 in points per game last year with uh, 17 points per game, so a little bit over that, 17.4. He did average 40 attempts per game, so you like the volume there. He was on pace for over 4,000 yards. He's going to be reunited with Chase, but as Austin said, there's you know trepidation with if Chase can get to that level that they had at LSU. Burrow says he isn't worried about the knee, uh, was cleared months ago, and already the drumbeat is that he's been ready, but this offensive line is something I'm going to watch because PFF has it ranked as the 25th best in the league, and we look at this Vikings defense, though, this could be a good test for Joe to get his legs under him because they, they had the fifth fewest sacks in 2020, so definitely something we're going to be looking at there, but Johnny, we know we're starting Joe Mixon. We know Joe Mixon's the man in this offense. We drafted him in the second round to be, or the end of the first, depending on what league you were in, at to be such. But we've been hearing a drumbeat about Chris Evans maybe being a one-for-one replacement for Giovanni Bernard as far as a pass catcher. Is that something that's worrying you, and will you be watching that closely? It definitely is something that's worrying me. I didn't think that he would come on so strong and be this good uh, this early. We're, there have been beat reports, and you know he came out and admitted, as well as the coaching staff has had him watch a lot of blitz pickups 
that geo from tape from geo and how he did that. And he's been picking it up slowly, but surely uh, is what the word is out of uh, camp. So that does now project uh, to lower the floor, the ceiling, excuse me, of Joe Mixon. We didn't, we thought Joe Mixon was also going to get the vast majority of that geo role as well from the pass catching side. So I am a little bit worried long-term, what this might mean. However, in week one, I do think Joe Mixon is a good play. I think they will lean on him a little bit more because of Joe Burrow getting back into, uh, you know, the swing of things. I do project them to be in this game. And so I do think that uh, Joe Mixon is a good play this week. But yes, watch out for Chris Evans uh, because he could definitely get that Gio role as long as he continues to uh, pick up the blitz packages. And that's the big part of it, right? He, he has to continue to do that. Um, but as of right now, I'm still playing Joe. I'm not completely scared off of him. All right. And that's Joe Mixon. We're completely yeah. playing Joe Mixon. Joe, no, Mixon, Joe, Joe Burrow yeah, also Joe exists, Burrow, yeah. but yeah, yes, we're yes. definitely waiting and see. Well, I don't know about definite wait and see. It's definitely a decent matchup, but we'll we'll kind of see how Joe progresses here. Want to move on to the Arizona Cardinals or Johnny's Arizona Cardinals? Austin also has an affinity for those Cardinals, and they're going into Tennessee. They're going to play. Uh, you're going into Nashville. Going to play the Tennessee Titans in a whopping 52 point over and under. Love that. Uh, Tennessee favored at home by three points. That's usually the pick'em. Austin. The question when I look at this offense, obviously the motor is Kyler Murray. The question is, we saw Kyler Murray's dominance uh, from weeks one through 10, and then we saw him after that because of the shoulder injury kind of take a step back, not rushes more. How much are we you know, going to see the Kyler after the injury or the pre-injury? Um, will he continue to run again? What, what is your take on, on Kyler Murray here? I don't have a reason to not be fully excited about Kyler Murray coming into the 2021 season, Travi. I mean, you look back at last year, it's almost surprising of how efficient and phenomenal, dare I say, Kyler Murray was. He didn't go under 28 points until week 11, and in week 11, he had 24 points. Um, Kyler is looking better and better every year that uh, progresses, and given the health, um, I'm feeling great about where he's at, especially going up against Tennessee's third-to-worst pass defense. Yeah, I absolutely love this uh, offense, and, and it's one the one you're excited about. I just want to know if they can reach their full potential with all these offseason moves they made, and that's what I'm looking at here. So we have Kyler. We look at what they did around him. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, he's finished as a top-four wide receiver five uh, out of the last six seasons. Um, he was outside of the top five last year, but he was a you know top-ten uh, wide receiver still, so you still love that he dominates targets. We're looking at A.J. Green as well, who was brought in from Cincinnati. Did see over 140 targets last season had just under 1000 uh, unrealized air yards. So you wonder how much of the situation was from Joe Burrow and his uncatchable balls because 60% of his targets last year were catchable only 60%. That's 101st rank among wide receivers. So was it Joe Burrow uh, that actually did that for AJ green? And now You've got 117 vacated targets between Larry Fitzgerald and Dan Arnold from last year, and that's something that you can really look at for A.J. Green as something to attack. We look at this as a fantastic test for all of them, including Rondell Moore, who ran a 4 3 uh, He had burst and agility scores within the 94th percentile or above. Uh, I know Johnny's high on Rondell Moore, um, but here's what I have to come and give the sobering truth on. 
Because is Cliff Kingsbury going to be the problem here? In two years under Cliff Kingsbury, guys, this offense has produced one single top 40 wide receiver finish. One single one, and that was last year with DeAndre Hopkins. This will be a fantastic test. Uh, We talked about it. Tennessee's 30th ranked pass defense coming in per PFF. So I'm looking to see that. Johnny, um, I'm probably only starting uh, DeAndre Hopkins with confidence this week, but this is an, an opportunity to see what usage we'll get out of the other wide receivers. But we're definitely looking at that running back room who Chase Edmonds, you've been calling it all off season. RB season is here. RB one season is here for Chase Edmonds. Is it not Johnny? I do believe it is here for Chase Edmonds. Um, I do think that this is a week that you do want to get him in your lineup because even though it's not the greatest matchup on paper, he is going to get the bulk of the workload there, uh, especially this weekend. And he should see an uptick in the receiving work as the Cardinals defense is looking a little shaky now that Malcolm Butler has retired out of nowhere. And so it's now a quarterback, uh, the cornerback matchups that looked to be pretty thin already for Arizona Cardinals, but it looked to be, you know, able to get the job done. Now looks like they're going to be, you know, majorly down. You've already got Tennessee. Uh, we'll talk about their wide receivers and what they've been game planning for uh, already. But uh, I do think that Chase Edmonds is going to be uh, a piece that you are going to want to at least throw in your flex to get in there. I do think he has a, a good amount of upside this weekend. And you look at what he did last year, average 10.5 fantasy points per game on a smaller role than what he's going to be getting uh, this season or project to get this season. So I definitely am rolling out Chase Edmonds, uh, James Conner. I'm not going to roll out unless you're desperate and you need like that, uh, you know, flex play because there is a little bit of touchdown upside there. I could see him getting uh, into the end zone potentially, uh, but I don't want to have to rely on that touchdown, uh, you know, end zone, end zone run. So I would look elsewhere with James Conner. The Cardinals opponent, the Tennessee Titans, are an, an offense that we're actually invested in heavily in fantasy football. If you look at just where people are drafted, we're concerned about what's going on here. We want to know what's going on, and that starts um, and ends with Derrick Henry. But, Johnny, we had Julio Jones brought over to this offense. Uh, we had Corey Davis leave. We had other targets leave this offense and Jonu Smith and stuff. But now we have a situation where A.J. Brown and Julio dinged up in the offseason. Where is our confidence level in these wide receivers? And this is a great matchup to be firing them both up. Yeah, that's where it all comes down to the mat. You know, the confidence I have in this matchup or in these two players as you play them because of the cornerback matchup being so weak right now. You look at uh, what there was some practice film uh, that was uh, released, and what did you see that Carol or Tennessee was practicing? They were practicing the quick out throws and breaking the cornerback tackles and running. So expect a lot of screens, expect a lot of quick out routes to get Julio and AJ Brown, the ball quick. So they could just, you know, use their speed and break tackles, things like that. So I do expect both of these guys to have a very good uh, week. And I do expect this to be a major shootout. So I'm looking to try to get them in my lineup if I can. Well, a shootout spells success for Ryan Tannehill, Austin, and this is a guy we've been hyping up as a potential tier breaker, as a guy that could kind of step into that next tier. We, we don't think he could be the number one overall, but we think he could be top six, top five maybe, and it's because of these wide receiving weapons he has. When you look at him for this uh, uh, for this, you know, season and, and specifically this game, obviously great matchup, is he going to be able to hit that level here? 
I think he can be a top five play this week, Travis, no doubt. He finished as the number eight quarterback in 2020, and they just picked up Julio Jones. They've really only gained pieces, and there's no concern regarding regression. Yeah, there might be concern regarding Julio's regression, but he's a new piece in Tennessee, so he's it's just bonuses for the Titans. Um, this game has a 52-point line, and the Cardinals, as Johnny mentioned, just lost Malcolm Butler. Patrick Peterson's not a part of the squad anymore either. Um, given that line, given the weapons, I think there is a ton of opportunity in this Arizona Cardinals matchup to show why Ryan Tannehill was a draft darling. And I just want to chime in. Obviously, we're not going to tell you to bench Derrick Henry, but there has been talk in the community of like what Henry's regression could be. Only one time in the last 10 years have we had a back-to-back RB1 in fantasy football. That was Todd Gurley. But I'd argue only one time in the last 10 years have we had someone like Derrick Henry. So it's not really that we're set up to have somebody that's not going to rush the ball consistently. He's, uh, you know, since a strong finish in 2018, he's been an uh, you know, top five RB in back-to-back seasons coming off that success, gaining over 2000 yards and with the wide receivers, a little dinged up. Now we're not saying, you know, bench those guys this week, but I don't see why we're going to get in a situation where Henry's the only, you know, real proven healthy guy in his offense to move the ball. And he's not going to be continuously fed the ball. I just think that some of that was overblown because people get into the numbers. Well, when we have a freak of nature in Derrick Henry, you can't really just peg him and compare him to the history books because he's not part of those, uh, Essentially, he's he eats those history books like rips for lunch. Yeah, for lunch. All right. Our final game on the part one matchup show is the Detroit Lions hosting the San Francisco 49ers. It's a 47 point over under and on the road. The 49ers come into lowly Detroit as seven and a half point favorites over the lowly Lions. Austin, when we look at this San Francisco uh, passing attack, when we look at the offense in general, pretty much when we looked at the Niners this offseason, we wanted to know how short is Jimmy G's leash. And so, Austin, I'll ask you here, what are you thinking about, uh, you know, Jimmy G as the QB? How long till we get to Trey Lance? And, and what do we think, uh, you know, is going on here? You ask how short is Jimmy G's leash? It's about as short as a bone chip. Uh, Garoppolo <laughs> has not broken 300 passing yards since week 14 of 2019. They spent high draft capital on acquiring Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo looks to be the starter to begin the season, but you can tell that Kyle Shanahan and that entire organization is very excited to move on from the former number two, uh, second round pick, excuse me, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, so I, I agree with you like the, that we are trying to get to Trey Lance at some point here. Like, just let's let, let it happen. But obviously, there's a situation where the bone chip is going to put a, a block in that. Um, when we look at the pass catchers, we've got Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle as this big three for the 49ers here. And when we saw there was only four weeks where all three of them played together. And, you know, Brandon Ayuk right now dealing with a hamstring, he's returned to practice, but he seemed to be the big play guy. He had 21 targets, 13 catches. His average depth of target, though, was 13 yards, and he had a 3.41 fantasy points per touch. Of the three pass catchers, that was the highest points per touch. Um, So we know that when they want to get the ball moving in a big way, they want to make splash plays, they go to Brandon Ayuk. We look at Debo Samuel in that same time, an average depth of target of 2.5 yards. So he's definitely the guy they use behind the line of scrimmage as a quasi running back, the yards after catch monster. Um, He had a 1.9 fantasy points per touch. And then we look at the big guy. You know, the big dog in this offense, and that's George Kittle. And Kittle had 40 targets, so nearly 19 more than Ayuk, uh, 18 more than Debo Samuel, 31 catches, two touchdowns. Um, so, you know, double the touchdowns here. 21 fantasy points per game. You love that. 2.59 fantasy points per touch. Kittle remains the 
focal of this office offense. I'm fine stand, uh, starting Ayuk against the Detroit Lions. I'm even okay with Debo maybe in daily and in other matchups where you're, like, you're looking for an outside piece that maybe you dr- didn't draft wide receiver too well and you're looking for that upside play in a, in a multiple wide receiver league. This 32-ranked pass defense uh, per PFF of Detroit is one you can attack. But I think, Johnny, the big question for me uh, outside of the quarterback situation and those wide receivers is Trey Sermon and what role we're going to get Trey Sermon on, uh, especially against this Detroit uh, offense or defense. Sorry. So for this week, if I'm looking at it this week, uh, this is a great matchup for the running backs. Uh, so I am definitely starting Raheem Mostert. We know that he's ready to play right now. And when he's ready to play, they're going to roll with him first and foremost. We've we've heard and seen him get about 15 touches or that's how much Kyle Shanahan wants to get him per game. So being that uh, Detroit's, uh, you know, rush defense is one of the worst in the league or that was that last year. And we don't expect that to change heavily. I do expect Raheem Mostert to have a nice fantasy day. Now, as far as Trey Sermon is concerned, Uh, I'm not rolling them out there uh, in most cases because you probably have a better option as of right now. However, I do think that Trey Sermon will get touches in this game. He'll probably see between 10 and 13. So it's it's kind of your gamble as to whether or not you think he can get in the end zone or what he could do with those 10 to 13 touches. The matchup would or on paper would dictate that there is some room for upside for Trey Sermon. But once again, unless I ultimately have to, I'd like to see exactly how much his workload is because it could dip below that because he is a rookie. It could be around eight. And then you're really trying to scramble and hope he scores a touchdown in that one of those carries. So uh, for me, it's just most hurt this week, but definitely monitor this moving forward because much like Jimmy G passing on to to the next quarterback, which we do expect in Lance. I do expect the same to happen from Mostert to Trey Sermon at some point in this season. Austin, when we look at this hierarchy that is the Detroit Lions, it goes DeAndre Swift probably that we're drafting first, and then we go with TJ Hawkinson via ADP that's next. But is there anybody outside of these big you know, two guys that we're interested in? And this is a tough matchup, obviously, but something to keep an eye on for players not named Hawkinson or Swift. Uh, Trevi, no, I'm not really feeling great about any of these wide receiver positions or anybody outside of the names you just mentioned there. And DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkins and Tyrell Williams is being drafted or picked up by a lot of different fantasy managers because he's the number one. And the thinking is, well, the number one wide receiver is going to get a lot of work. And Tyrell Williams has been a number one wide receiver before. This isn't his first time in this position. In 2019, he dominated snap percentages and was the unquestioned number one for the Oakland Raiders at the time with Derek Carr as his quarterback. He finishes a wide receiver 47 with 651 total yards. And I rostered him quite a bit that season, expecting that wide receiver one position to actually pay it forward in fantasy production. It never got it going. And Tyra Williams is going to get some shots, but man, this has little to no pop. And I don't think he's going to be doing your fantasy football team any favors, especially Travi this week going up against a top 10 pass defense. Amon Ross St. Brown is the other wide receiver of note after the dismissal of Rashad Perriman. I'm excited to see what Amon Ross St. Brown is about long-term and what his work ethic and role will bring, but not week one um, for the fourth round USC product. 
Yeah, the tempered of expectations definitely extends on to TJ Hawkinson, but there is just no other team that has more available targets from the previous season than the Detroit Lions. Uh, 64% of their target share from last year, they need to replace from guys not named or not on the Lions anymore. And then you look at Anthony Lynn, he targets the tight end at 20 to 24% uh, of his plays as a, a career play caller. This is a 49ers defense that allowed the fewest yards to tight ends in 2020, but um, they are getting healthier, and this is a tough matchup, but you are definitely putting TJ Hawkinson out there. Just monitor the way that he, they funnel him the ball because I actually think that his you know, opportunity is going to carry him through this matchup, even though it is a tough one to kind of throw him out there in. So just temper those expectations. But, Johnny, <laughs> obviously we're going to temper expectations on your boy, but you have to be extremely hyped for a guy in DeAndre Swift who just got cleared uh, to play and is going to be a full go, or at least they say no, no tag, no questionable tag here. The groin is behind him, even though it's inside of him. Uh, how do you feel <laughs> about DeAndre Swift this week? Yeah, I'm. I, the matchup isn't the greatest on paper. Obviously, San Francisco, one of the best, better run defenses in the league. Detroit Lions uh, the offensive line is a lot better than most people expect or predicted. They're about top twelve according to Pro Football Focus. I do think if you're in a PPR league, then DeAndre Swift is still a safe play and that you can definitely still play him this week because he'll get plenty of pass catching out of the backfield. Look for him to get like 16%, 15 to 16%, which should carry you if you're in a PPR league. If you are in a standard league, uh, then I, if you have a better option, you might want to consider going that route. The other thing I do want to uh, let Whisper Nation know and, and what I'm kind of seeing and projecting is that Yes, Jamal Williams will come in. He'll be a kind of change of pace running back for this team. But I don't think it should clear, you know, it shouldn't persuade you from not liking DeAndre Swift because the goal line work should still be DeAndre Swift as Jamal Williams last year only scored one touchdown on six, uh, six carries within the five. And DeAndre Swift scored um, much more significant uh, shares when he had, uh, I believe, 11 uh Within the five, he scored on a, a vast majority of those. So it's looking like Swift should be the goal line carrier as well as the pass catcher there. So better days ahead for Swift. But if you can bench him, if you are in a standard league, then I would. Uh, but again, if you're in a PPR or um, you know half point PPR, I think he, he's OK flexing. Well, we're about to flex on all y'all because we're done <laughs> with this matchup show we did it we did it strong and that is the part one of the matchup show we are excited to let you know that if you want part two make sure you get over there to any podcast where you subscribe to and download part two as it'll be out later this week as well and you can get all of your lineup questions answered on the sunday lineup show if you are subscribed on youtube and you tune in an hour and a half before kickoff you can also check the fantasywhispers.com for our weekly rankings there as well to help you with those lineup conundrums for austin sear for Johnny Game Time Hicks, I'm Big Travi. We are the Fantasy Whispers. We'll catch you on part two. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.